you know what I think? What? I think you know. You know too much about me. What do you mean? I can do anything. I can kill you right here on this bed, and then I can phone room service, and they they take your body away, and then I'd have them send up another girl. Too late, Mary Lou. I can't trust you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Goodbye, Mary Lou. No. Sleep no! well. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, uh, whatever, and welcome to episode 65 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, my name is Ian Loring, I'm uh, steering the ship this week, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my faithful uh, co-host. I'm Mark Foster, hello everybody. Good stuff, good stuff. So, uh, we have got a, uh, I, I think it's going to be a good show for you this week. Um, we've got two main reviews. We're going to be uh, talking about the uh, much-buzzed-about Michael Fassbender with a paper mache head on... Um, uh, comedy drama thing Frank and we're also going to be taking a look at the uh, master Hayao Miyazaki's uh, last film and it does look like it's probably his last film this time uh, The Wind Rises um, we're also going to be taking on some one old one new and some trailers uh, monkey at gmail.com at monkey at ianloring at dudefoz uh, Mark have you got anything um, you want to uh, uh, talk about before we get started or shall we crack on uh, I do actually this week, uh, quite quickly. Um, you're yeah. a, um, a Cineworld uh, customer, aren't you? You have one of the... Um, unlimited card. Unlimited card things. Do yeah. it, so, yes. Um, I, I don't. There's no Cineworld. The closest Cineworld to me is a good sort of 40 odd miles away, so it's not worth me having one. Um, so I haven't really followed it that much, but there seems to be a bit of a, a furore about um, something to do with uh, allocated seating. Oh, um, yeah, okay. 
what, what, what's going on? Because a lot of people seem quite angry about it. Yeah, so basically, um, Cineworld are introducing allocated seating, which, you know, a lot of places have, uh, have, you know, have had for a while. And, you know, obviously you have allocated seating for concerts and plays and stuff like that. I was a bit put out by this myself. And the, the reason for this is that it, I basically, I'm cool having my seat and being able to come in and like sit down and you know and 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 be where i want to be but my thing is that it basically rewards coming in late and knowing you'll still get a good seat and if someone is sitting in your seat you can kick them out of the seat and i find that annoying because you know mondo down fair play to him he said he said on Twitter, well, you know, gigs and plays have allocated seating, but behaviour, et- cinema etiquette is far more dicey than I think, uh, particularly going to see plays. You know, it, it's very much you're going to be in there when it starts or you're basically fucked kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Whereas with a, with cinema, I mean, we've all seen it 10, 20 minutes into a film, people can still walk in and whatnot. You know, yeah. and the thing is that also annoys me about this is that Cineworld are painting it as if, oh, it's good for the customer, it's good for the customer, it's good for the customer. Um, it's kind of not good for the customer, and also not good for an unlimited customer because with unlimited tickets, you can, if you book in advance, you have to pick up the tickets twenty minutes before the film starts. So, mm. if you're like doing it on the day, you're still going to be fucking around there. 20 minutes beforehand, which means you're probably still going to get a good seat anyway, like reg- yeah. regardless of allocated seating or not. And also, it, this is basically they're saying, you know, we're hoping this will lead to less queues. So you, um, if you want snacks, you get them faster, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, it, no, it basically means they're not going to have as many front of house staff. It's a way of, keep, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a way of keeping staffing numbers down. So you'll probably have less tills open. So all the people who do actually want to turn up and buy tickets. Oh, yeah, because this allocated seating things only for people um, who uh, book in advance, apparently. Um, all right. So oh, that's, even, that's even worse. That's, yeah, yeah. That, that's the opposite of what I do. Yes. So, like, apparently when you get there, I think you're going to be able to pick your seats when you get there. But oh. it's like, no, actually, no, I don't think you will. I think you'll just get like, gen, like kind of maybe it's just like general admission or something. I don't know. I think that's probably it. It'll just be like you can sit anywhere that's not allocated. No, no. They'd have to tell you where to sit because otherwise you might sit in an allocated seat. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good, isn't it? If it's, if it's, because if it, I got a view and their, their policy is um, it's, it's allocated seating, but it is do you want to sit front, middle or back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. used to work with you. Was it the same? Is that a company-wide thing? I believe so. There? Yeah, so, so they basically say, do you want to sit front, middle or back? Um, and I I always kind of say, I, I'd like to sit towards the back, uh, possibly at the at the end of an aisle, if, if possible. And they, they're usually pretty cool about that. Um, and I, at um, City Screen, uh, if it is, because uh, they have general admission and they have allocated seating, it can depend on screenings. Um, I have a, a certain seat that I sit in in each um, screen, and if I go and say that, I, I just get that seat. I don't even really have to say anymore. They just automatically know that that's yep. where I sit. Sure. So, 
So yeah, but I, I just I I I've seen a lot of sort of people not kind of very happy about it. And I, I just assume from, from not having been to well, I've been to a cinema world, but um, you know, not actually regularly. Um, I I assume that it would just be the the same to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's um. it's just the fact that they're trying to paint it as it's going to be good for the the customer when really it's just basically we want to have less tills we want to try and encourage people to book online that's that's basically what it is you know and I, i i don't know i mean i think if you're going to encourage people to book online how about taking the stupid restriction off with the unlimited cars and also the fact that you can only book one unlimited film at a time like in advance all right so it's like you can't stack up the bookings or whatever. So you're like, you've got to, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest. Like, um, if you want to book your tickets in advance and if you're going to see, especially when I used to see more than one film a week, it was, it, it was a ball lake. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know. It, it just, it just means they're going to have less tills open. So if you do want snacks, which I never do, I pay my unlimited subscription and I buy shit from the Tesco right next door. Um, you know, if you do want snacks, you're just going to have to basically queue up w- w- like at smaller amount of que- tills, which means it's probably going to be about the same number of people on balance. So it's, yeah. you know, it's bobbins. It, it just, I don't know. It, the, the unlimited scheme is great. And I don't know why other cinemas don't do it if Cineworld have done it for so long and seem to do so well out of it. It's, it's, it's very odd. But I'll be honest. If the if the cinema now nearer me, the showcase nearer me, did an unlimited like kind of thing, I would drop Cineworld like a fucking hat. You know, I I'd be gone. But, yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting you brought that up actually. But fair play. Cool. Uh, other than that, uh, no, I've I've had nothing to nothing nothing new to add. Um, other than the 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 first image of uh, Batfleck came out, didn't it? And you know, it's. It looks cool, but then again, it's Batman stuff. It's a bad Batmobile. It was never not really going to look cool. You kind of got to do something to fuck that up. It is what it is, isn't it? It's yeah, it's Batman. a picture of Ben Affleck as Batman. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm not. I'm not not one of those people against it. I think you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But you know, this is a film that's what a year and a bit away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So. um yeah. Uh, okay. So sorry. Yes. Um, trailers. Um, not too many this week, I don't think. But what have you got, Mark? No, not not too many. Uh, big one, uh, I suppose, was the um, the second trailer for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Sure. Um, which is an incredible trailer. Um, I mean, really, the fact that it, it, it heavily focuses on um, the apes uh, and it, it does kind of. Almost like this is the first time it said, "Look, this is the apes story." You know, the first one was, you know, Caesar and how he became, and it was, you know, the people story. This is, I think, we'll spend a lot more time with the the apes within this, and um, you know, it kind of gave an idea more about what was going to happen. I, I think it's a great trailer, and after it finished, I was very much like, "Right, I want to see that now, like now." If you told me. Right, you can go and see that film in ten minutes' time, and it's gonna cost you twenty-five quid. Yeah, and I watched it at two in the morning. I, I was like, I'll, I'd go straight away. Yeah, uh, without without hesitation. Aside from Godzilla, it's the one like summer blockbuster I'm I'm fucking 
so excited for. The rest of them, yeah. some to varying degrees, but yeah, it's all about Godzilla and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes for me. Yeah, certainly, yeah. Um, the other one, a couple I've watched, uh, the new Rob Reiner film, uh, And So It Goes, um, which is basically Michael Douglas playing a miserable old bastard. Um, it's not something to really get yourself excited about. Um, it's probably all the best bits are probably in the trailer, uh, and the trailer runs out of good bits uh, about halfway through it. Nice. Um, Rage, uh, the new Nick Cage film, uh, which is just taken, really. Right. I mean, unashamedly, it, yeah. it is taken. Do you know, have you seen the trailer for it? No. I, right, let me, no. let me explain what happens in the trailer, right? Okay. Nick Cage, right, has a, a daughter uh, who is a teenager. She is kidnapped, right? And Nick Cage, it turns out, uh, has a, a past which allows him to have a certain set of skills that means he can go and find his daughter and get her back with violent consequences. I see. That is that is the film. Is Rane <laughs> Shabegia the bad guy like he wasn't taken <laughs> to? That would be amazing. The thing is, is um, there's a really good sequence um, where of, of, of the trailer where for about 45 seconds I was watching it going... This film looks looks really quite bland, but this is a really well constructed forty five seconds of trailer. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I think that is going to have no bearing on how good the film is at all. Mm. Uh, and the uh, other trailer I watched was the uh, just for um, just so I only watched I watched more than three trailers really um, is the new Melissa McCarthy film uh, Tammy, uh, which is starting to make me go. Is this it? Does she have one character, and that's all we're going to get off her? Is just different films with that one character. I, I haven't seen this trailer, but my understanding is that it's Fat Lady Go Boom. Yeah, it, 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 you, you've seen. I, I, I really hope you haven't seen the film, uh, but uh, you know, Identity Thief. Sure. Yeah, it's a terrible film. Really awful film. I didn't waste my time. Don't. It's fucking awful. Um, it. Basically looks like exactly the same character as the character in that. I mean, I mean exactly the same character. And it's weird as well because she's making this with her husband, um, Ben Falcone, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, they wrote it and he directed it, and apparently it's like a proper like labor of love kind of thing for her. And well, it was basically like after Identity Thief and, and Bridesmaids and the Heat, they basically said, "Here's a bunch of money, do what you want." Yeah. And they've made Fat Lady go boom, apparently. Yeah, uh, they've done what they want, which is make the same role uh, that she's been making for the past three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, it just looks shame. Is there anything you've seen? Yeah, I watched an extended trailer for Edge of Tomorrow, um, which is out in... Um, it's actually out in a couple of weeks, which I didn't realise. Yeah, it's, it's far uh, away, is it? Yeah. yeah, it's like the fucking... Yeah, it's like two weeks' time, so fair play. Uh, which I'm looking forward to, man. Um, it looks like good... Blockbuster sci-fi, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. And it's, uh, nice to see Emily Blunt playing, um, a character who looks like she could really fucking hold her own. So that's, yeah. you know, that's cool. Um, new trailer for A Million Ways to Die in the West, uh, which. Oh, yes, I have watched that actually. The new, the, is it the new trailer, the new Red Band? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I watched that as well actually. Yeah, it, it still looks quite funny actually. I, I'm intrigued. I, I heard something about this film that hasn't been that widely reported, but apparently it's true. Do you, 
a bit of a spoiler for Million Di- Ways to Die in the West. Have you heard about this? No, but I, I'm happy to hear about it. <laughs> okay, so folks, spoiler, just skip about a minute or so if you don't want to hear it. There is a scene with Doc Brown. Oh, really? That's fucking interesting. That's very interesting. Which, considering the lead character basically looks like he's been plucked from a completely different era, you have yeah. to wonder. Yeah, yeah, that's that that kind of actually could make sense. Oh, that's that's actually really interesting, actually. Like it could be completely incongruous, but that is a very, very, very interesting idea. Apparently, it's basically a cameo. Yeah. I think what I really like about the about because um, I, mean, I wasn't the biggest Ted fan in the world. Uh, what I do like about the fact that uh, with a million words down the west is that um, Seth MacFarlane is actually being himself in it. You know, he's not being Seth MacFarlane in it, but he's not he's not doing a voice of a character sure, and sure. hiding behind that. It, it's actually him actually. I don't want to say acting because the green screen thing is it is acting, but it's him actually going okay. I'm gonna kind of put my face out there for the first real kind of time. Mm. Uh, and he's, which, he's got, and he's got solid support around him as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a great he, comedic cast. It is, and it, it's clearly people that he that he that he trusts. You know, you've got you know Rabisi back in there, and uh, Charlize Theron. She, you know, she can actually she can actually hold her own in comedy. She's not got a lot of it, but you know, you could see her working in that kind of way. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be another massive film for him, to be honest. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to that as well, actually, I must say. Um, and I think I saw a new trailer for 22 Jump Street, but I'm not too sure. But um, I think I did see that one as well. But, but yeah, you know, looking forward to it. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, and I will just say uh, very quickly, the poster for the new poster for Transformers: Age of Extinction. Optimus Prime riding a dinosaur looks retarded, so I, I've what? obviously gotten too old. Whoa, 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 what? Yeah, Optimus Prime riding a robot dinosaur. Transformers far poster. What the fuck? I haven't seen this. Holy shit balls! When you said new poster, I thought you were meaning the uh, new Fastbender poster for the vet. No. <laughs> oh my god, that is that is Optimus Prime riding a dinosaur. That's wow. That fucking hell. <laughs> That's brave. <laughs> it, it, this is basically the poster equivalent of fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they, they, they haven't given Optimus Prime a dick in it. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just... I, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit. That's all I've got to say on that. It's... Yeah. You know, I, I, if, it, I mean, if it starts coming out with, like, four out of five reviews all over the place, I'll take a punt on it. But otherwise, you're not... Fool, fool me once, sh- shame on you. Fool me twice... Well, fool me thrice, shame on me, frankly. So... <laughs> Pretty much so, yeah. But hey, um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's get on with it because we actually started a bit um, later than we were planning on, thanks to um, a certain child. Um, so um, yeah, Sorry. that's a nice. No, no. <laughs> um, so um, I will just make clear that's my kid. Um, so yeah, uh, 
First review of the evening, uh, we're going to have a clip from Frank, uh, uh, Lenny Abrahamson's Frank, and we'll get into it. Frank wants us to start everything from scratch. Color coding. He's created an entirely new musical notation system. We've designed our own instruments. He has initiated the strict regime of physical exercise. Fortunately, we have a safe word for when things get too intense. Chinchilla. It's incredible. Frank finds inspiration in everything. I find this inspiring. How does he do this? If I'm to grow as an artist, I must see as he sees. I dedicate myself to learning his secret, and I will not let anybody get in my way, however desperately they may try. I am more convinced than ever that this band, whether they realize it or not, could achieve greatness and I will work to take my place at its very heart. I will show them what I am capable of. I will show them. Frank is directed by Lenny Abrahamson and stars Michael Fassbender, uh, Donald Gleeson, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Scoot McNary and a couple of French people. Uh, story is uh, John, played by Donald Gleeson, is a kind of a sad sack office worker who dreams of uh, being famous and writing songs. Um, he kind of gets his chance kind of when... Um, through circumstances, he becomes the keyboard player for um, a band, the Sonompropops, um, and uh, he becomes kind of besotted with their band leader, Frank, played by Michael Fassbender, a man who spends his uh, entire life, uh, literally his entire life, uh, well, not literally his entire life, but his entire life, generally, uh, in a paper mache head. Mark, what did you think of Frank? Um, I, I, Frank, um, very interested with the fact that it was, uh, it, it was a, it takes the title character from, um, the, um, British comedian, um, Frank Sidebottom, uh, and, you know, it takes the head and everything from there, but it actually really has nothing to do with, um, Frank Sidebottom, uh, and it's written by, uh, uh, John Ronson, who was um, friends with um, the uh, Chris Seavey, who bottom, uh, and actually was in his band as well. So I, I was very interested by that whole kind of dynamic and dynamic from from there. Um, and the, the whole marketing campaign behind Frank was was incredible. Uh, the the heads cropping up everywhere, and there was there was quite a few around York, and the fact that they had a guy going around the Frank head around London, just kind of milling around and doing stuff and everything like this and I went in the film and uh, for the first hour or so it was exactly what I expected it to be it was this kind of this kooky quirky independent comedy um, where it was a lot of kind of like kooky sounds and try to create them find our perfect sound and it was exactly what you expected it to be and then it kind of starts to it takes a turn and becomes a lot darker um 
and it, things start to become the, 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 it never tries to hide uh, the the aspect of the fact that uh, Frank is mentally ill uh, and a lot of the, the characters the, the, the people that Frank surrounds him with self with are uh, all quite mentally fragile um, but it, it's only as the film goes along that it really does open that up and say no this isn't one of those stories of um, you know people thinking that because they're eccentric they're, you know, they're, that they're mentally ill they actually are mentally ill and it, it kind of all kind of throws in together and it actually becomes quite a quite a sad story as it, as it as it goes along and then kind of just lifts itself enough at the end to, to kind of to give you a warm feeling towards the end I was incredibly impressed by uh, Frank I found it quite moving and uh, and funny uh, in places you are such a motherfucker I've spent the last three days thinking you didn't like it <laughs> fucking I put out a status update on Facebook about Frank and then Mark just responds saying mmm dot 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 you fucker <laughs> alright I thought I was going to have an argument with you as well um I yeah Frank is pretty great I think um it's what I most like about it is that it's actually quite an angry film, but it's really, really quiet in being so. Like, it is annoyed at social media, and it's annoyed at the kind of whole pop culture thing thing of um, basically bigging something up, like, just to laugh at it, essentially. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is taking a massive swipe at, uh, at hipster irony. Yeah. Of liking something ironically. And the thing... It, 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 sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like, I, I think a key part of that, which I, I think is interesting, is the fact that they've got so much, like, kind of access from South by Southwest... Mm. But it's kind of just taking, like, re- a bit pointing an accusing finger at people who organise and go to South by Southwest. Yeah, it, it very much is going, um, you're the dickheads. Yeah. You're, you're the people who will lap up this shit because it's quirky and it's fun and it's, it, it, it's different and, you know, yeah, they're a terrible band, isn't it great? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, you're the people who are cheapening art by allowing the mediocre and the either lazy or purposefully shit to be considered brilliant. You know, not being able to play a musical instrument very well isn't a skill. Yeah, I can do that just by picking up a musical instrument. And it, it, it very much, like you say, is pointedly kind of saying, you know, that this 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 kind of toning down of, of, of talent with an, with an art or of seeing talent where, where talent isn't there and just bigging it up via the medium of just hype is is cheapening things yeah no absolutely um and I, I mean i think maybe it could it could throw people off um because for like the first third or the first half of the film 
is, like you said, quite quite goofy and quite knockabout and whatnot. Even though I think on a second watch, once you fully know what's going on, um, mm. I think it will be read rather differently. Um, you know, I mean, like the, the scenes of uh, there's a I mean, there's a scene where Frank's running around after the one of the guys with like uh, he's got something in his hand. And he's basically trying to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's, it, it, I'll, I'll admit I, I lack heartily out loud yeah. of that. I bet that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you watch that and it is funny. But once you basically know it is a man who is mentally cracked, try mm. like obsessively trying to do this and like kind of focused on on this thing. I mean, it kind of turns into something else. But but I mean, it doesn't really point. I I I, I don't think it's um, making fun of mental illness or anything like that at all. It just no, no, I don't think it's at all. No. It, it, it's I I, I think it, it it's expecting you to laugh and then kind of swipe swiping you at the end by saying by basically saying you really shouldn't have been laughing at that stuff but not not and again not in a kind of a hanaki kind of way of like lecturing you or anything it just you know i mean it's it's a story about a band who are in the margins and you know and and pro you know just and they uh, maggie gillenor's character knows they should that they are in the margins and she knows this is their place and she's happy doing what they do but Donald Gleason's character is like the devil on Frank's shoulder and completely fucks him over yeah which which is it he, he just he, all he sees is this is this is a way of of getting this and he sees the eccentricities um John's character sees the eccentricities as you know as genius when actually they're not their madness and also <laughs> selling like, points yeah and, and and he's you know and the the fact that he's posting the you know getting his twitter followers are going up and the youtube videos are getting what is it and he sees that as some kind of recognition of oh you know these people think i'm great and then it, it, it turns out that he's you know he ends up being the chinchilla guy yeah yeah exactly I, it's um yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fantastically clever, and it's just it's it's quite it's quite acidic, and um, and yeah, I mean, it is still entertaining. Um, I mean, Fan Spender is fantastic. Um, mm, I do I, I do believe it was him in the head the entire time. It absolutely was, without question. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it just like the, the the kind of the mannerisms and the body language and whatnot. I mean, it just it all obviously was. Um, the, the, the the greatness of him uh, explain the, the the wonder of, of him when he basically says, "Would it help if I if, if I told you my facial expression?" Yeah, yeah. The fact that he, he's got this mannerism where he points at his face uh, and kind of makes like a circle. Mm. Every time he does it, and he does it every time he does it, and it's just a wonderful little uh, uh, reflection that he does that just kind of it, it had me smiling every time he did it. Yeah, yeah, no, abs- yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, uh, and I, I was very impressed by Donald Gleason as well, who, you know, after about time, I was a little bit worried that he was kind of basically going to become a ginger hued Ron, and that's almost mm. how they. It's kind of almost how they start him here, like you, and just the fact that he is the narrator, so you know he, he's the protagonist. But he's not an unreliable narrator or anything. He's just a shit. Yeah, he is. He, he is just a. Yeah, he, he just seems like a bit of a dick. Yeah, I, I mean that's, and he's got, and, and the fact is, he's basically got no talent. Um, <laughs> and um, 
and, and yeah, he, he, I mean, he is kind of, he is really leeching off of Frank. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he almost literally is. Like, he kind of sucks away at Frank until, like, all, like, everyone else around him is gone. And it's just him and Frank sat in some fucking dusty motel room. You were, and at this point, Frank has had an absolute, complete mental break. Yeah. You know, he's, he's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is that in, you know, you, you do have some good sort of um, support women, Scoot McNary there and Maggie Gyllenhaal are both, are both very sort of very good uh, as, as as kind of backing to that and, and kind of hold that the weight quite well, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, I mean, I don't think it's flawless. So you got me eating that. Um, I don't think it's flawless. I think that um, the Maggie Gyllenhaal hooking up with, it, uh, with Donald Gleeson bit didn't work for me. Um, it kind of just felt like that kind of did just feel like you got a man and a woman there. There's tension. Oh, they're just gonna have an angry fuck. It kind of it, it felt a little bit too expected. It, it, I think the thing with that was it, it was definitely expected. You knew it was going to happen, but the fact that it went nowhere after that, I think, kind of affected it, the. Whether or not where it held any point. Yeah, I mean, going I, I, forward. I, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I would have rather it wasn't there. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I would rather it not been there rather than it have had um, more going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, even though I mean, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal was actually very good. I mean, like in, in the end of the day, she is, in a way, she's the most relatable person in the entire film. I mean, like she doesn't really seem all that... Me- I, I don't think she's mentally ill or anything. She's just very, very concerned for a man she obviously loves. Yeah, I mean, she, she seems like she's, she's, she's maybe had a bout of quite bad depression, and that'll sure. be about it. Uh, whereas, you, you know, Fassbender's uh, Frank is, is quite clearly... There's a lot more there. Um, I mean, I was... Uh, I... Um, during the film, I, I, I wasn't aware that I... That, um, where the story was going, I didn't. I didn't have any sort of um, read that much about it pre going into it. Um, and I was throughout the entire film, kind of going, Do you know, what I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope we don't. I hope we don't see Frank without the the the, the head on. Mm. Uh, and then when we did, I, a little part of me went, oh, I was really hoping we didn't get to see that. But then the way it was handled. From when you see um, Frank without the head on, um, which was dealt with really well because the fact that you know and the directors know that you know the guy that he thinks is Frank isn't Frank because we know what Michael Fassbender looks like. Yeah, I, you know, that's quite well done. So that that worked quite well there, uh, and the fact that you then see Fassbender in the background and you're going right. I thought from then I thought it, it the, the film took a turn and it was it was incredibly well done and then it was it was where you got the idea that, that you know Frank was incredibly damaged and this this the whole music thing there was just his way of getting something some enjoyment out of out of life and it was the the fact that these these misfits kind of are the, are the way that Frank is going to be able to get through life. They give him some kind of purpose that, you know, it's not the adulation of being famous or anything like that. It, it's, it's that idea and that, that kind of acceptance. They accept all of the, 
the ridiculousness that, that might be there. And, and I thought the, the last scene was quite was quite powerful and quite kind of heartwarming. I love the last scene. I mean, also, especially the way that you don't actually properly see Michael Fassbender head on the camera until that last mm. scene. It, it, it's almost like him, like, kind of breaking out of his funk and then we, we see him. It kind of feels like the, the kind of the emotional arc of the character is kind of fulfilled there by... Um, you know, the start is just like the, the like the franked head, and then you move on. It's kind of like sideways on with his face, mm-hmm. and then and then by the, by the end, it's his whole face. And I mean, the the way that he gets his kind of creative juices back, um, like with them, I, I, I you know, I, I I thought that was wonderful. You know, and, and like yeah. I say, I mean, it, it it is moving. I mean, it is genuinely like moving, and for kind of as. As kind of snarky, snarky and angry the film has been, it ends. It does end on a sweet note that I think is earned. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that it, it is the first time where you actually hear them play an actual proper song in the film, exactly uh, as well, uh, kind of makes sense as well. It, it, it all kind of fits together so so well that, you, like you say, it does earn it, and you do you do go away going. That actually, that actually had some meaning. It wasn't just um, a collection of, of of fun little vignettes thrown together. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, and I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I think a rewatch is going to be is going to be good. But I mean, I think some of the you know some of the funny scenes are still going to be funny. The uh, the likable song sequence. It oh, is it's brilliant! It's incredible. <laughs> it, 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 it where like Donald Gleeson is just like. I think we can make it more likable. And he's just like, you're shitting me. More likable. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, you know, it's fantastic. Like, it's my, just, my, I, uh, I think my standout moment uh, as the entire film was it was the um, Frank encouraged some arg- arguments and we're, we're training. And Frank's doing the thing with the, the French guy. And out of nowhere, Frank just punches him in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had me gone. It was, it was just... There was, there's so many great, oh, and her throwing the, uh, bit and it hitting Scoop McNary on the head. Yeah. There was right. a lot of sort of slapstick. I mean, even that stuff, like the, fir- the first watch, it is just funny, but like on the second watch, her hating him so much, there is a reason. No, I mean, there is a genuine reason there. It's not that she's jealous yeah. or anything, it's just that she knows that type of person and she knows it's dangerous for Frank. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, very much so. I, I, I said I can. I mean, for me, it's a, it's a definitely not shit. It was. It, it, I, I'm very glad that it, it's as good as it is. Yeah, defo. Yeah, defo. I mean, I, I like I said, it's 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 not perfect, but I no. I have a great deal of affection towards it already, and you know, I only watched it three days ago, so yeah, good stuff. Awesome. That, that was good. Okay, so uh, we'll have uh, a break for some promos then. Uh, there wasn't anything else, was there? No, 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 no. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Okay. And um, we shall get into some one old, one new. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. 
just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just getting, that's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. GGTMC Live For you Fresh Air Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service Breaking films down and turning them around Giving recommendations that are always on point Visit GGTMC.com for more information The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema Bringing class to the trash since 1977. And we are back, and we've got some one old, one new. And Mark, why don't you kick us off? Okay, I'll kick us off with my uh, my one old. Um, actually, now um, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about X Men First Class. Um, okay. Because X Men's coming up, and I'm, I'm trying to watch all of the X Men films. And I've, I've wanted to rewatch um, First Class for quite a while because I didn't massively get on with it the first time I watched it. Um, and in my in my brain, I if you'd have said to me, "Oh, X Men First Class," I would have said, um, "To be honest, I didn't really like it." So I wanted to give it an, another go. It felt like maybe. I, I've been in a bad mood when I've watched it or I've gone in expecting one thing and, and, and got a different thing. So I wanted to, wanted to give it another go before, um, going into, and I'll sort of get a refresher of what happened, uh, before going into Days of Future Past, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, so let's see, it's only the, my second, uh, watch of X-Men First Class and it is, I, I think I certainly enjoyed it more uh, this this second time round, um, but I think the things that uh, annoyed me the first time weren't really there. But I did pull up on other bits that maybe didn't annoy me, but maybe I just didn't um, kind of get last time. Uh, I think that um, the characters were, or the characters that we're going to see um, coming forward uh, in the new one, all work. I think Fastman is very good in it. Um, but yeah, his, his accent does flicker a little bit throughout, but uh, it it's the least of its worries. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've got to say, like, if the film just had an extra like couple of weeks in post, I don't mm. think that would have been there. That kind of feels like that was the next thing on their list, but they ran out of time. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, just that, there's that one scene. I think it's when he's kind of moving the satellite. Yes, where it, 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 he, he's Irish as fuck. Yes, it, 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 yeah, there is that one. Yeah. You, you see, I haven't watched this film in like a year, and I still remember that. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much is there. I think McAvoy um, works very well as as the character. Um, I think it's easier to believe that um, Fassbender's Magneto will become... Uh, Ian McKellen's Magneto than it is to believe that McAvoy's uh, Charles Xavier will become Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier. Sure, okay. But I, I think that, that that's very going to be very very easy to um, to kind of to 
kind of rectified. I don't think it's not an issue um, going into the, the new film. I, I think that it could. You could. It's not saying. I'm not saying that there's no way you could see um, McAvoy's Charles Xavier becoming Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier. Uh, I think Jennifer Lawrence uh, suits the role very well. Um, I. I, I thought she was more underplayed in this, but she's she's actually quite kind of you, you can see it there. Although I do think she does kind of go very quickly towards uh, the dark side almost um, within it. Um, but the one thing that that did kind of uh, cause I don't want to talk about it for, t- for too long um, because we've got two main reviews uh, mainly um, is that it's there isn't really a a female character not that isn't just an extra. Uh, that's an actual character that we don't actually see in a a state of undress. Yeah, in the, the entire the, film. The, the sexual politics of X Men First Class has been. I've 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 heard that a lot, and yeah, and I, I, the Rosebud bit is just so it fucking. It, it's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm usually a little bit kind of like. Are people not? Are, are people saying this without actually, you know, seeing it? You know, there wasn't that many complaints about Wolverine and the fact that he spends all of his time without his shirt off. I didn't see people getting all fucking stand up about how sexist that could be construed. You know, it's just part of Wolverine. You know, and I thought, well, maybe it is just part of the thing. And then I watched it again. This time, I was like, do you know what? It's not. It's really not. <laughs> it's. It's quite, you know, it was obviously a decision. And the only reason it seems why uh, January Jones got into the film was because she has quite um, quite ample bosoms, we'll say. And, and she fucked Matthew Vaughan on set and he, he had, and had a love child with him. Oh, is that, is that, I didn't know that. But Let me just Google that to see if that's, or whether I'm committing slander here. But that, that that does kind of make sense, but I was kind of alarmed. It did kind of go towards the end of it, sort of thing. Didn't really need to see that much of, um, of her in her underwear, did we? Um, I said Emma Frost in her underwear. It, it did feel it, it, it was quite noticeable. Um, and I also do think that they, they tried to put in too many characters. Um, but what I will say is I came out of X-Men First Class having enjoyed it a lot more that second time round. But it is as well what it did strike out to me as, and I, I've watched um, the majority, I haven't finished watching it, of uh, the first X-Men movie, is these are very much um, comic book movies. They're very, very comic booky. And they're not trying to do what some of the more um, recent comic book movies have done, where they're trying to kind of um, place them within the, the realms of a real-world society. Um, the X-Men movies don't seem to do that. They very much accept that they are, you know, closer to to, to, to comic than they are to a, a, a reality. I'm so I'm sorry. I was just trying to see if it was confirmed that Matthew Vaughan was actually the baby daddy. Um, apparently, it, it basically it's potentially very very strongly maybe that he is, but it also may have been mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis or it may have been uh, any other man apart from me or Mark. So yeah. 
Okay, can you, can we you were, take we, yourself we, we out? We weren't invited the... to that party, were yeah, we? No, okay, you're, t- you're officially taking yourself out of the uh, January Jones baby daddy race, Mark, yes? It, w- it was Paul Anal. Uh, fair fair enough. Me and right, fair um, enough. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm so sorry, Mark. Um, I, I, I kind of was lost in my own little world of... One thing I, I will say, um, um, and you might be able to answer this, because I'm guessing you, you might have watched some of the features to do with uh, X-Men First Class, and I haven't. Um, I watched X-Men First Class, and then a couple of days later I watched um, the first X-Men movie. Um, is the, the, the scene of um, the very young uh, Magneto, um, you know when his when his mother's being taken away and he's, he's he's being held back by the guards at the concentration camp yeah. and he's pulling and the gate is what is it is that the X Men first class is that just the same scene lifted? I don't think so because I mean like, it it's, is, it, it's a different child actor in it for a start. Is, I, I, I can't I I, I I was a little bit tired when I started watching X Men so I, I couldn't quite kind of tell. It's the fucking it is, it's, it's the kid from Son of Rambo in first class. Is it? It, yeah. it is it is it is. Go back and watch it. It's shot for shot the same. I'm sure it is. Um, I mean, it's. it's I mean, I, I can see, I can see why, but I was just a little bit taken back about, uh, you know, how shot for shot it was. Hmm. But you can see why, I suppose, if they are going, if they are, we're always pitching this to be in the same world, and it would then rejoin the world of the X Men that we've seen. It, it kind of fits at the beginning and in the middle and then goes round. So it would kind of make sense, but it, it just... It, I, 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 I didn't expect it, I'll say. No, fair point. Right, go on then. Right, hit us with one of your uh, one old or one new. I'll just say very quickly, have you seen the ads on Film 4 uh, running um, some X-Men films this week? It's like an X-Men triple. And it's, oh, it's X-Men, and then yeah. X3, and then the first Wolverine. So, and it's just like, what about X Men Two? How do you have the you know, rights to the other three, but not X Men Two? And maybe because X Men Two is the best out of those four movies. Yeah, and that, yeah. It just yeah. like I, I, that's that's just so weird to me. It's like if you're going to trump a season of films, you don't miss out. Yeah, either either go, um, yeah, either say, well, right, we're not going to do it, or. Just do a couple and do do another comic book movie, but don't do one three one three and then not even related. <laughs> yeah, straight up, it's it bizarre. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going to be going back through the X Men films apart from the Wolverines um o- over the next week. I'm kind of looking forward to it actually. But um, yeah, well, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking about Days of Future Past uh in two weeks. Uh, on yes. the, the show in two weeks' time, or two episodes' time, anyway. Uh, okay, yeah, so um, I'll do my one new. So this is available on US VOD, and I just wanted to point uh, point towards it. Um, afflicted. Uh, found footage horror. Kind of found footage. Have you heard of this? The name rings a bell, but I know very little about it. Okay, so basically, story is... Um, these two friends are going around the world for a year and they're, they're documenting it on a website. So that's the excuse to wear cameras and whatnot. Um, and one of them has got this uh, kind of like uh, this uh, disorder where basically he could die. Um, and it's something to do with his brain and like pressure on his brain. And, um, and basically 
he really wants to do this trip because he, he genuinely doesn't know how long he's got left. He could have years, he could have days, you know. So, um, so he, he's very much focused on doing the trip. Um, uh, if if you don't want to hear about what happens in the first twenty minutes or so of Afflicted, um, turn off now. But otherwise, uh, basically, uh, do you mind, Mark? No, I don't mind. Okay, cool, thanks. Um, okay, so basically. Um, uh, the guys go out to a club with a couple of friends one night in Paris. Um, one of them meets this girl, uh, goes away with her, and then the other guys basically try to cock block him by um, bursting in on him. And they find him with, um, basically on a floor, bump on his head, shitload of blood all over the place, and the girl's gone. And then it go uh, and he kind of wakes up the morning after, and it goes on from there. Um. So, you know, I don't think I need to specifically say what kind of horror movie this is, like what kind of trope it's using. But um, basically, um, I was rather impressed by this. Um, It takes a while to get going, but and it it, it kind of does the uh, oh, and basically this guy uh, starts kind of developing powers, basically. Um, and, and, and it kind of goes down the uh, the chronicle or even paranormal activity marked ones route. I'm not saying this film was ripping off that or vice versa at all um, of um, kind of like them actually indulging in these powers and, and things like that. But after, but there, there's a kind of like there's a creeping dread to the situation. Um, and then something happens about halfway through that completely changes the film. And then it becomes different and i what i didn't see it coming i was quite surprised by it and then they they've set up the they've set up the relationship between the two characters very well in the first half that the second half it becomes something different and i i don't i don't really want to say anything because it's 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 quite fun um and it's it's quite interesting and it, it allows the, the kind of the, the, the found footage nature of it, combined with these superpower things going on, allows for some fun found footage stuff, um, which uses production value well. This doesn't look like it cost a lot of money, this film. But the, um, uh, the, the, the kind of the action scenes in it are really, really well handled. Um, but it, it, it certainly is gruesome as well. It doesn't hold back on that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't have an awful lot to uh, say wrong about it, really. Um, there's a mid-credits sting, which I saw coming a mile off, um, but does make me interested in if they did do a sequel, I would very happily watch the sequel. Um the, the 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 writer director team are actually the two guys who star in it as well, um, Derek Lee and Cliff Prowse. Um, yeah. And they're I I I I, I don't know. They're, they're good on screen. Uh, that um, I I I think they have a good sense of pacing. Um, like I say, they use production value well. And um, apart from the fact that it does suffer from characters making stupid decision. Um, uh, decisions at times. There's one where they've uploaded a video of a blatant, really, really criminal act. And, and then they basically wonder why the fuck it's all gone wrong for them after that. And it's just like, really? Um, but aside from that, 
pretty strong recommend, especially for the horror genre, because so much modern horror is fucking toilet. Yeah. Uh, that when you see something that genuinely surprises and impresses you, you kind of want to shout it from the rooftop. So yeah, Afflicted. Really, really solid stuff. And I mean, I think it's about 85 minutes long. So what more can you ask for? Hmm, I shall, I shall track that down and have a look. Sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what you think, but definitely. Uh, but sure. yeah, uh, let's have your one new. My one new uh, is also a film that's available on uh, US VOD, uh, and it's not a found footage uh, horror film, uh, but it is a film. Um, it's the uh, Elizabeth Banks starring um, Steve oh, okay. Brill film, Walk of Shame, yes. um, which it, it kind of interested me because, one, I, I think Elizabeth Banks is a very um, good comedic actress. Uh, I think she's she's got great comic timing and she's, she's likeable. Uh, and also from, I, I like films that, that all happen, you know, the, or the majority of them happen. Kind of a one over. crazy night kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, essentially like that. Uh, this looks like from the trailer, it looks very much like a film that would have been made the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and it's that kind of idea where, you know, you've got this, you know, the whole thing of the story is um, Lisa Banks plays um, Megan Miles and she's an anchor of a local uh, news station. And she's about to get her big break where she's going to get taken on by uh, a network uh, news show. Um Although she thinks she's nailed on for it, uh, what actually ends up happening is uh, they end up giving it to somebody else. On the same day, uh, her partner leaves her because uh, he says that she's too obsessed with her job. Uh, and her friends decide that the only way that she can get over this is if they take her out and get her drunk. So she goes out, gets drunk uh, and ends up going home with um, James Marsden. Uh, the next morning, she wakes up, checks her voicemails, and she's been called by her agent to say the um, girl who they went with, they're not going with now because there's been some kind of big scandal. Um, and, you know, it's positively made out all your years of being a good girl have, have, have paid off. So now she's got to get... Um, Back to eight hours to get from this apartment that she doesn't know where she is, back home, get changed, and get to work because the network are coming to watch her there. Um, but she's got no phone, uh, a car's been towed, and her ID and all of her money are in the um, car. So she's essentially got to get to the um, impound lot to get her car back. And so it just flows like that, and you have all these different things, like she keeps getting mistaken for a hooker, um, and she ends up getting involved in a gang fight, and all of these things kind of just go on, the general things that you think are going to happen. But what's really nice about it is, is the comedy is, you know, it, it's an R-rated movie, um, so, you know, there's plenty of F-bombs and politically incorrect jokes, etc., uh, there's a great bit where she meets up with um, three, uh, well, two crack dealers and a crackhead who constantly refer to her because they recognise her, constantly refer to her, her in an affectionate way as the bitch from the news, uh, which is wonderful throughout it. Um, there uh, because they just point at going, it's the bitch from the news, 
and they try to work out why the bitch from the news is uh, turning tricks in their neighbourhood. And that kind of, this is kind of, it gets to the point of where anytime somebody mistakes her for a hooker, she almost looks and breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and kind of shrugs as if to say, seriously? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, everything you expect to happen happens within the film. But it is, uh, before credits, it's under 90 minutes long. Uh-huh. It gets in, gets out. It, it, it's not mean spirited any, in any way. It all makes sense. One of her friends that she's gone out with, the gobby one, because there's always a gobby friend and a thick friend, isn't there? Yep, sure. That's just how it works. The gobby friend is played by Gillian Jacobs, uh, and there's a great running joke throughout it because she's hooked up with this guy at the club uh, as well, but he just won't leave her apartment. And every scene that you see where she's back in her apartment, he's just eating something different in the apartment. He's like sat down, like eating an apple, or he's sat down eating like some um, <laughs> some like scrambled egg on toast, or he's sat eating a bowl of cereal. And that's just throughout the, you know, you see him six, seven times just eating. Mm. Uh, and there's lots of little jokes like that kind of dotted all the way through it. And it's one of those where it is a absolutely perfect 11 o'clock on a Saturday night with a beer okay. Okay. 90 minutes get through it this is going to be you know it, there's enough there it's funny enough there's no like I said no malice in it at all it's not nasty which sometimes these comedies can get a little bit they'll take the politically incorrectness to, to too too far a level yeah, where, sure. where, where you get people go ah, that's a bit snarky actually it never gets like that Banks is lovely to spend time with uh, as the character. Her character isn't too annoying, and James Milden's incredibly charming in it. it it's a really entertaining watch. Um, reminded me incredibly uh, of uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Okay, it's got that kind of tone to it. Okay, that that actually sounds quite interesting. I might um, see if Donna wants it's to fun. watch that. Okay, it's, uh, I, would, I would suspect that Donna would would probably like it. Okay, cool. Uh, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's it's a good switch off and enjoy it. And like I say, and also it, it's lovely to see Elizabeth Banks running around in a uh, short yellow dress. Very nice, cool, very good. Okay, cool. um, give uh, us your uh, one old. Okay, so I'll go. Um, I'll go quick on this. Uh, my one old is the supersized R-rated version of Anchorman Two. Um, we didn't talk about Anchorman. Oh no, we did talk about Anchorman Two on the show, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I, I think we were both slightly nonplussed by it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, yeah it just kind of missed the... Just missed the mark. Yeah. Um, so this is the... When they say supersize, they mean it. It's about 25 minutes longer. Um, uh, a cut of it. Um, even though, in all honesty, like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't remember that many extra like extra scenes I suppose they must just be longer and I mean it even cuts out the Adobe musical number completely um, so I mean they've even taken stuff out of it so I mean it's oh, it, 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 it's a different cut yeah yeah yeah. I mean it's 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 not just like alternate versions and whatnot. I mean there's there's no Adobe musical number he doesn't play nearly as large a part in this actually uh, like they don't have that bit at the end with him either it just basically ends with um, Steve Carell and Kristen Wood getting married um, and then it's done um, but I mean that, 
I will say, at the moment, this is my preferred version, and this is actually closer to what I wanted the theatrical cut to be. Um, it's ruder, you know. I mean, the the uh, the, the cinema version was a 12A slash um, uh, slash PG13. Uh, this is an R-rated version. I believe this was a 15 um, in the cinema. Um, it's got a, it's got a different musical number, which I found an awful lot funnier, um, called Big World, which is um, about them basically trying to be more uh, ex- accepting of ethnic minorities and gay people, um, which which is kind of fine by me, to be honest. Um, I, I, that's the, but the, I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, like, I genuinely, it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem like it was two hours, 20 minutes to me. It kind of feels like Shit, it was. Two hours, 20 minutes? Yeah. That's just like two hours, isn't it? So it yeah. will be there. Um, Shit. yeah. So, I mean, it's long, but to be honest, I don't know whether the theatrical version felt like it was two hours, 20 minutes, or whether this feels like it was less than two hours, but, I just had a, 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 I had a, a, a better time with this. I mean, I don't know maybe whether maybe it was because like the cinema was was packed and Donna was like overdue by that point as well, and whether maybe I just like kind of like other things were in the right frame of mind. Yeah, 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 perhaps, yeah. Um, but um, I, I watched this and I was just like, right. I think I could happily watch this along with Anchorman and be at peace. It's not, it's not as good. You know, obviously it's not uh, yeah. as tight and it's not as consistently funny for me. I mean, it, this cut still m- has misses. Um, but, uh, I laughed a lot. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's messy, it's shambolic, but that kind of feels in keeping with the tone. And when so I, I'm going to rewatch it, give this one a go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like with, with the Blu-ray, to be honest, whenever I watch Anchorman Two, this will probably be the version I watch. Hmm. Well, I'll, 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 I'm more inclined to give it a go now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, maybe maybe it won't work for you, but I I I was actually happy with it. So, Anchorman One for me is a straight up five out of five Stone Cold classic. This is now a solid four out of five, whereas it was a it was a, a three three and a half beforehand. So, well done, Anchorman Two, supersized version. Good to hear. Uh, let's have a clip from uh, I'll, I'll play a clip from the English dub of uh, Hayao Miyazaki uh, which will please Noel I'm sure uh, of, um, <laughs> um, of uh, Hayao Miyazaki's The Wind Rises and we'll get into it Mr. Caproni may I ask you a question I know I can't be a pilot because of my eyesight if I'm not a pilot can I still design airplanes Japanese boy. I've been around planes all my life. Do you know many I've flown? None. Another one! <laughs> many can fly airplanes, but I design them. I create airplanes, and so can you. An aeronautical engineer! Yes! But remember this, Japanese boy. Airplanes are not tools for war. They're not for making money. Airplanes are beautiful dreams. Engineers turn dreams into reality. Yes. Arrivederci. We'll meet again. 
Crisis is directed by Hayao Miyazaki and uh, is the story of Jiro, um, a young boy who uh, wants to fly planes, but he can't because of his eyesight. Um, but he then shares a dream world with uh, an Italian plane engineer, uh, Mr. Caproni, uh, who basically says to him, you can des- you can design en- uh, you can e- design planes instead, um, and basically it follows him as he uh, kind of basically balances his wants to design planes and be given the tools and the money to design planes with the the uh, regrettable fact that uh, the planes would be used in war, and along with this, it's the story of his relationship with his uh, with with his wife, uh, well his girlfriend, then wife as well. Didn't explain that very well. Mark, what do you think of The Wind Rises? Um, uh, so it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's Henry Ozaki's um, last movie, uh, and it continues his, um, his obsession with, with flight, uh, essentially. You know, it, it's, it's well documented that it is, it is a huge passion of his, and you know, the, the film is based on, um, I think, the, the manga that he did himself, um, the, the, the Wind Rises manga, uh, which obviously, you know, the Jiro is based on a real guy, uh, which is amazing, but none of the story is based on actual facts, um, other than quite very loose, you know, what happened. Um, I'm a huge um, Studio Ghibli fan, and, and thus, because of that, a, a huge uh, Hayao Miyazaki fan as well. You know, the two do kind of go hand in hand, I suppose. Um and one thing that I was first struck off with this is it's very easy um, to say that a, a Hayao Miyazaki film is beautiful. It is incredibly easy to say that, but this film is beautiful yeah. um, to look at. It is stunning. Um, it is so vividly imagined, and it is just it, it grabs you and it, it takes you on this this journey and kind of grabs this character and says, hey, here's this character's journey you're going to go on. Um, you already love him. We know you love him. He's wonderful. It's great. It's going to be a bit weird. Uh, and it's also going to be, you know, a little bit dark. And there's going to be these um, little political uh, throws that it's going to put in there, you know. And it's going to have some quite vivid imagery um, that isn't nice and floaty and playful and, uh, and lovely. That, that is quite kind of almost sort of jarring uh, in what you're going along with, the fact that you've got these scenes of, of war and destruction and kind of uh, peppered into all of this beautiful landscape and this this kind of floaty, uh, you know, when it starts off and he's being very much kind of influenced by um, Caprioni, um, this kind of jaunty kind of Mediterranean Italian um, post, you know, pre-war kind of, soundtrack uh, mixed in with you know the, the Japanese of it as well and it, it all kind of flows very well um, it, it's a, another staggeringly wonderful film um, from, from Hayao Miyazaki yeah yeah um, echoing all that basically but um, it's it, 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 it's a, one of the most bittersweet things I think I've ever seen you know it, it, it's absolutely heartbreaking but it does I, like, I have mm. moments where it kind of sends your heart soaring at the same time. It's, um, yeah. it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's a beautiful, I mean, like you said, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, and I just, 
it really breaks my heart that we're not going to have any more out of him. You know, I, yeah. it, it, it just, it, he's such a singular talent. And even though it, that like the kind of the animation style is, um, used in other, uh, Ghibli films, it, it, the sense, I mean, I don't know, the, the, the sense here of the real world stuff with the, the with the, the sense of, um, a whimsy is, uh, like Donna watched it with me as well, uh, the, the kind of the sense of whim, uh, whimsy about it and, and kind of surreality. It just, yeah. I, that, that mix is, it's just, you can't imagine anybody else, uh, being able to get away with it really. And yet, it does. I, I mean, it, it's a film that, I mean, it's not a children's film. It's not an adult's film. It, it, it just, it hits that kind of universal family, like, mark so, so well. And, and, and even though it's, uh, it's probably his most real world film, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I suppose Porco Rosso, I mean, the only kind of fantastical element of that is the fact that it's a flying pig. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is, uh, yeah, I mean, it is based in, in the real world apart from the dream sequences, but those dream sequences, as, as short as they are in the film, they have great impacts and just like they're, the, the discussions that he has with Caproni, I mean, the the, 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 section where he's talking about would you rather live in a world with pyramids or not? And like, that, because, you know, they, they, they were made through slavish means, but they, they, you know, they're here and they're, they're beautiful. I mean, it's such the con, the, the contradiction within Giro is so well done in those sequences. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I, I texted my dad saying I can't talk at the moment. I'll phone in about 20 minutes, and he's just bloody done it again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry. Um, yeah, it, it, like you say, it is, it is probably his most um, sort of reality-based um, film. And I think as with, with all uh, Miyazaki um, films, um, it, 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 it does have a personal element for it. He's not a particularly... Um, prolific uh, filmmaker um because of the you know what he you know the, the, the films he makes uh, and the fact that he makes animated films and the fact that he storyboards them themselves uh, uh, and you know his his films take a long time to make they're not right let's have a story let's do a quick storyboard let's shoot it and then it's good there's, there's a lot goes into you know an actual physical uh, things go into that, uh, into uh, an animation film yeah. uh, that is beyond uh, pointing a camera at something. Everything has to be drawn and everything like that. You know, pointing a camera at uh, a, a field, the fields are there. You don't have to grow the field. You don't have to do all of these things. I'm not saying that it's it's easy or anything like that, but it's different. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is more the one where, like, you see, all you have is you have these essentially dream sequences, which aren't actually. There's nothing saying this is a dream sequence. You very much, they very much are. But it, 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 the one thing that Miyazaki always does is he gives the audience a level of intelligence where he never has to explain what's going on to you. You either, he, he accepts the fact that if you're watching this film, 
you're probably going to get what's going on. And if you're not, you're probably too young to get what's going on and you'll just be enjoying the flight, the fantasy and the those bits. And those bits are dealt with, with as much care as, as any of the more sort of knowing bits and the more bits that people would think, think would be the more serious bits. I mean, it is quite a heartbreaking film. You know, the, the ending to it is, is, is horrible. Um, but then you've got these scenes peppered in where he's making the essentially like paper airplanes and oh, things yeah. like that and throwing them. It's just, there's little kind of segments and sequences like that where it is, it is just glorious to watch and it's wonderful to spend time. It's like a big, huge hug of a film. Uh, like a, a, almost like a blanket that wraps you around and basically says, this is going to be lovely. For the next two hours, you're going to be absolutely transfixed by Jiro's journey uh, through life. And then it, it does throw up the good and the bad that, that happens to it. Uh, but it is, it, it, it is like you just have this incredible way of making you feel relaxed and just joyous. And um, you said it, you used the, the perfect word for it earlier. He has a whimsy about his films that are just magnificent. I, I just recently, uh, and I, I sent you officially, um, I've got the um, uh, Danny the Totoro poster. Um, yeah, yeah. Him at the um, Totoro at the at the, the bus stop with the the leaf on his head, and I was talking to uh, Becky about Totoro. I'm saying, you know, Totoro is one of those films, and I think a lot of Miyazaki's films are like this, where I don't see a single reason why anybody could give me a logical reason why they don't like them. Yeah, I can't think of one at all. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, the only thing that I can think of with Wind Rises was um, I remember when this um, kind of uh, first started playing in festivals, and uh, people, even though I think this is ridiculous, people were um, basically criticising it as being, uh, you know, kind of pro-Japanese uh, war machine. Uh, I mean, which is ridiculous because this film makes very, very clear that. You know, in, in this story, at least, Jiro is not in it for the military purposes of it whatsoever. And in fact, yeah. it's fucking heartbreaking that this stuff is going to be used for that purpose. You know, and yeah, I mean, I, that, that very much is right. What can we pick fault in this film with? Yeah. So, well, we could we could pick fault in the animation. I know we can't pick fault in the animation. We could pick fault in the. Oh, there's no sex in there either. We could pick well, warmongering. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that, I mean yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. Oh, fuck off is, is the, is the uh, response, basically. But uh, I mean, that, that's, I mean, aside from that, it's just, it's paced really well. I mean, it's not yeah. like a fast film or anything like that, but it's, um, I, I, I you know, by, by the time, by the time it got to the end of two hours, it was like, how the fuck was that two hours? Yeah, it, 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 there's, there's a lot, it goes through a lot uh, in those two hours as well. I mean, it, it, it spans, you know, an almost lifetime, um, uh, you know, of of Jira. So there's in, every moment has a, has a meaning and there's not a bit where you go, it could have done without that or maybe you could have shared 10 minutes there. Everything... Flows wonderfully well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It just, um, it's, I, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, the, the character of Jiro, the, uh, the kind of, the, the, the sense of kind of hope and the drive to continue on is, uh, I mean, it is lovely. I, 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 I just, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about Miyazaki, uh, Miyazaki's films because oftentimes you just you can't really fault them. It's just like coming over them, basically. It literally it is. It, they are. He is, um, you know, one of the great filmmakers, um, without question. You know, looking through his, I mean, I'll just go through his 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 main films. Uh, You've got Castle of uh, Cagliostro, which is brilliant. Norsk Valley of the Wind, which is brilliant. Laputa Castle in the Sky, which is brilliant. My Neighbor Toro, which is an absolute stone cold masterpiece. Kiki's Delivery Service, which is pretty brilliant. Porco Rosso, which is brilliant. Princess (laughs) Mononoke, which is brilliant. Spirit Away, which is brilliant. Howl's Moving Castle, which is brilliant. Ponyo, which is lovely, and The Wind Rises, which is brilliant. There's not, there's nothing there where you go, well, that, all right, that one missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. And it is, it is sad that you know that 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 that's kind of it. But you know, you get the feeling, you know, I mean, he's, he's 73 years old, which is, you know, it, it's old, isn't it? Yeah. Um, without question. But then you look at it and you think, like, yeah, Martin Scorsese, he's 71, you know. But then, like I say, there's the maybe, maybe he just maybe he made started making me rise and thought, you know what, I'm happy for this to be my last film. Yeah, I mean, I like, want this to be my last film. This, this isn't an original point by me or anything, but I mean, like people have pointed out the autobiographical nature of some of the stuff that um, Caproni says. You know, the uh, uh, an artist only has ten good years in him, and yeah, that it, it's kind of being seen that. Miyazaki's kind of putting himself into that character and I, I, I don't know I, even though I'd like it'd be interesting to see what if that was the case what 10 year period Miyazaki actually thinks is his best um, I, I think he thinks that um, from you know really from kind of spirited away to now but then again that's only, that's only four films um, I mean I, I would say his his best period uh, for me was um other films where I I I, I would rank his, his his best films were eighty six The Castle in the Sky to kind of um, ninety seven Princess uh, Why Not Care there because that's a bit like I'm I'm massively fond of Spirited Away but out of the films of his I've seen the only ones I the only ones I haven't seen are Castle of um, uh, Cagliostro and um, and uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky um, so I, I'm I'm too shy but. Um, well, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, uh, Cast in the Sky is um, for me level with my neighbor Totoro wow. as, as okay. his best film. I, I, it, it, there is a okay. Totoro is lovely. It is wonderful. Yeah, Totoro. It is I, I, just a, one of the most lovely films ever made. Uh, Laputa has a, a darkness and an anger to it at points. Um, that that some of uh, Miyazaki's film, other films don't have. Um, there's a wonderful, an absolutely heartbreakingly glorious scene of a uh, a, a machine defending uh, itself um, in, in Laputa Cast in the Sky, 
which is absolutely harrowing to watch. Um, it's a really is an absolutely gloriously brilliant film. Uh, Last bit cast in the sky. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to watch that soon. I think. I, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know because I don't know. Mononoke, Spirit Away. It was Porco Rosso before Mononoke. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was. Um, was it directly one before? before it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, directly before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five I, I, between them, but it's the film made before it. Yeah. Because I think Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away is a pretty solid. Uh, yeah. If you go from Porco Rosso, that that twelve years from Porco Rosso, twelve years four films being Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, and Howl's Moving Castle, that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, these are all four and a half, five out of five movies. That's it's incredible for any any filmmaker to have, you know, more than sort of three or four. But to have pretty much a career <laughs> of, of them is is astonishing. Totally, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, it, sorry, go on. Especially uh, with the fact that uh, of of how animations changed uh, in the past. 25 years certainly mm. I think it's even more impressive there um, well yeah I mean the fact that they haven't been tempted to kind of go the CG route I mean the closest you could say to that is the uh, the Playstation 3 game uh, Nino Kuni um, yeah I mean aside from that they've not really done that they've kind of stuck to their thing they're I mean it's like he's, he's very careful in the way that he, he approaches it of saying you know, our, what we do is is animation, and what people like Pixar do is animation. But it's two different types of animation. No one's better than the other. But Ghibli does hand hand rendered. They do computer rendered. There's no ours is better than theirs because it's more pure or anything like that. Mm. It's just that's what we do. Yeah, and I think that's very diplomatic of him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it, it's I don't know. There's there's kind of idea about not diluting the brand that I think I could get on board with. You know, it's just like if they want to make films that look like this until I die, that's awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, I, I'll just say as well, Joe uh, Joe Hisashi's score is awesome. I know you said it earlier yeah. on, but great, 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 great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it, it's, in case anyone hadn't guessed, it's a definitely not shit. Definitely, me. definitely not shit. Will probably be in my top ten at the end of the year. I'd be very surprised if it isn't for me as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm actually going to have to kind of cut it short here. Um, it's my fault that the podcast got started late, but I need to be done. So, uh, it, Mark, do you mind if we leave Twitter questions? And uh, there's an email as well um, uh, uh, from Tom. Very cinematic. Thank you, Tom. Do you mind if we get to those when we need to record? Uh, no, that's not a problem. But what, can we just quickly answer because Kurt Brooks is asking the question and it's directly related to to, to Wind Rises. Oh yeah, go on. Uh, given the relationship between uh, Kurt Brooks on on Twitter, um, thank you very much for the question. Uh, given the relationship between Lester and Miyazaki, should Pixar and Ghibli collaborate to make a CGI Ghibli movie? Absolutely fucking not. It should nope. be the opposite way around. They should collaborate for Pixar to make a hand drawn animation if they're going to do either but I think they should do neither um, yeah I 
I, 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 I absolutely do not like um, computer-generated um, animation. It, it has none of the soul, none of the texture, none of the beauty at all of hand-drawn animation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm one of those that is furiously uh, against Ghibli ever doing anything like CG. If it ever did a CG movie, I won't watch it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, no fair play. Okay, so... Boom. Uh, Boom. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I, I thought we were going to Mario there. Nice. Just going to sneeze. I sneezed. Thank you. On next week's show, Godzilla. Yes. Godzilla. Gareth Edwards is Godzilla. Um, I think we'll also probably doing be doing something in the marathon, the untitled John Milius marathon. Uh, the cut- the intruder. There we go. Cool. Uh, I, think it is, I, I, I thought we were actually doing it on this podcast, so I watched it this morning. Oh, sorry, buds. <laughs> That's not from at all. Do uh, 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 you know what? Slight spoiler for the intruder. I actually quite enjoyed it. So nice. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get into that next week then. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, at Dude and the Monkey, at Ian Loring, uh, at Dude Foz, Dude and the Monkey at Gmail dot com. Uh, Conan the Barbarian commentary is coming. To be honest, I'm thinking I'm going to be away for a week in mid June, so maybe put it out that week. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Cool, that's fine. So um, yeah, so uh, Conan commentary is coming, and that is going to be it. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Mark, anything else? No, no. Thank you much for listening, guys. Uh, and we'll, we'll save the uh, quick questions that people sent in for, for next week, so they will get answered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. F- uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. Sorry, it's my fault. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>